Beware, this podcast is not a news or journalistic source for information. This is for entertainment purposes only, with solid viewpoints from two guys that are brutally honest about the things that you all are too scared to say or discuss. Please like and subscribe to our page for more engaging content. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Wits End Podcast. I am your host, Devin Witt, alongside my co-host, Joe The Show. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about why are churches failing and what are they doing wrong? Because clearly, it's everything. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of things they're doing wrong. I don't know if an, uh, 30 minutes, an hour, five hours would be enough to... Sorry about that one. You get a can mic check there. You stay up on my mic. Um, no, I don't know if, if 30 minutes or an hour even begin to discuss this topic. Um, either way, you know, we'll have at it. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of problems in the churches. And, you know, first and foremost, I think that one of the things that keeps coming to my mind more than anything is the compromise, the compromising position of the church. Yeah, uh, it seems like, especially over the last several years, it hasn't really worked out that well as far as, trying to be more accepting and uh, inclusive of different groups of people that, although they know their values don't line up with what the church believes, they're allowing it to happen on the basis of hoping to grab new followers. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's working out too well. No, I don't. I mean, if you look at statistically, you look at numbers, the way these things are, and, and uh, um, so... Yeah, and I'm not trying to try to pick on the, the homosexual gay community and plethora of other things you want to try to categorize, not the LBGTP, XYZ, all that stuff, whatever. Um, you know, not to criticize, but see, the thing of it is that's a big thing within the church is they've compromised again for the for homosexuality. And, and see, the problem of it is, is the, 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 that community would, would like them to compromise and be more accepting, but whatever. But the thing of it is the churches are not seeing an increase of people coming, so... Now, make that a little more clear. So there's churches, denominations, different ones have compromised and gave in um, to that belief. Um, those churches aren't growing just hands over fists because they've allowed this to happen. So essentially what they did, not essentially, what they did was they compromised their their belief system, what they you know, founded and what they believed um, to meet this sect of people that didn't like what they did. Um, so that's one thing. But with that, I think the second thing that has to come into question is really how much a devout Christian are you? If, if that's their standards, that you're just willing to change them because some people didn't like what you say. And again, I'm not knocking the homosexuals. I'm not knocking you know, any of that people. But I'm saying that that's specifically a big one within the churches and talk about compromising situations. Um, and so people will hear this in context. You'll hear me talk more about controversy, too, within, within government, um, their tax exemptions, their four, you know, all that stuff. Um, so this is not just so, so people can get off that damn bandwagon real quick. This is not a freaking, oh, it's a homosexual thing. It's bash the homosexuals because they're not church. No, listen to the freaking context before you start trying to smear, you know, put words in my mouth and everything else of anything we may or may not say. Well, the reality of it is, you know, it, when you're actually talking about being a Christian and what that means and what the Bible says about these things, then you have to say, no, homosexuals are not supposed to be preaching or be in positions of power. Sure. Same thing with women preachers right. or... Because that's what the Bible... Yeah, it's all controversial. It's what the Bible says. That's the thing. The Bible is very clear on it. It is, you know, it talks about different sins and stuff like that. And, and it's so easy for people to sit there and say that about, oh, homosexuals, you know, well, you're bashing, you're, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe. Like, no, I'm not. It's what the Bible says. Get over it. But yeah. see, the problem of it is, well, here's what churches do. They, they forget about the other things, the sin, 
you know, we could all sit here and debate, well, one sin's bigger or worse than the other and all this other, you know, let's just get down to the basics of this. We'll just say sin's a sin. So you've got people that are homosexual, they want to get in church. Well, what about the church people that drink? Well, is there anything wrong with drinking? Not necessarily, but what about being a drunk? Well, I see it's a different ball game. What about people that cuss? What about the people that look at pornography? What about the people that are, and this is, this is a fair, look at, look at America. America's overweight. That's proven. Look at me. Yeah. Hey, I'm, here I am. You know, I'm not the, exactly <laughs> the fittest person in the world. But you look at this from a biblical standpoint. You're going to take a, such a hard stand to say this. What does the Bible say about gluttony? It's a sin. Yeah. Yet we don't talk about how fat, overweight America is and how much that is a damning thing of what the Bible says. You know, and I words like damn, not in a bad way, but what that says, it's a sin. But yet we don't want to talk about that. Why? So are the churches really doing justice? Are they preaching a whole council? Are they preaching a whole Bible or just what little pieces they think fits their agenda? Well, it's definitely a culture of comfortability, you know, in a world where you're safe here, you know, you can be who you want to be, all those types of things. It leads to uh, teachers not teaching and not taking a stand for what the Bible tells them to do. And yeah, that's ultimately what it is. It's exactly. Like, since, especially since the pandemic started and church doors closed and you could go to church online all of a sudden. And, you know, basically more and more you're removing yourself from kind of what church was ultimately meant for, which is fellowship and learning right. together. Uh, and so now that you've given people these online options and everything else, and I'm not saying they're bad completely because you can reach audiences that may not be able to make it to church. But whenever you're putting more of an emphasis on that than you are the people that are right there in front of you, it starts to say like, yeah. okay, you're really not about pulling this congregation that's here. You're more so about trying to get views online. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing of it is what you said with online churches, I can blow that theory out of the water real quick. If people be honest with themselves, that's the problem. One, you know, you know, there's, there's a little bit of education side. I have a little bit of an advantage or disadvantage in this too. The Bible talks about fellowship. Um, we should be around other people. And there's also other standards in behind that too. Being around other people, you're going to be kind of what you associate with. So there's there's pluses there too. Um, uh, keeping in mind too that everybody, everything in churches, and I can tell people the four hour version of the reason why churches are messed up. And here it is: it's because they're made up of people. Nobody's perfect. Yep. You're not. I'm not. Whole line yards. Um, but in re in regards to the online thing, people will sit here and gripe. The normal person will sit here and gripe about how socially disconnected we are through social media, Facebook, Instagram, da -da -da, whatever you name it. And our kids, this generation coming up, has no social game. They have no social skills. And so that's a problem already. And now you add to everybody going to one, it's not biblical. We should be at church, fellowship, and being in fellowship with other people. But now you put in the social aspect if you're making a disconnect in your church because everybody wants to stay online. How, how are you how are you being socially interacting with people you go to church? Well, I dropped the thumbs up emoji in the comment section and, and waved at a couple other people watching the video. So doesn't that count for? Well, I mean, but see, that's why people would think, because the, the, the idea of what Christianity stands for is is been skewed and watered down to this dumb portion um, of, of what the Bible is. It's it's so it's a watered down gospel. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. the one that's coined that phrase, but it's the same thing. It's a good thing. Um, what what the Bible was, you know, a thousand years ago is obviously different, you know, 900, 800, 700, whatever, yeah. whatever number you want to put in there. Um, but you get into society today, we've watered it down so much and became so susceptible that really you can live in sin and you can do what you want and it doesn't have any repercussions, but God's God is all love. But what they don't, what they forget, they forget, they forget that God, you know, you know, 
is the standard, you know, you know, however you look at that. Um, but you look at, look at the old Testament, look at what God's done. There, there's times bottom line of this. People don't like this. Pastors will not like what I'm about to say, but you look at the Bible. God's killed people for less than that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but God's <laughs> love God. Well, right. He is, but there's some justice and he's saying, you know, a bunch of factors biblically. Yeah. Um, but you know, look at well, this is like Sodom and Gomorrah. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Um, it's there. It's in the Bible. Um, yeah, that's kind of like where we're at right now. Uh, well, the other thing too, because you know, I I can't help but kind of gravitate towards young people's stances on church nowadays. And in most of, like most of the time, younger people don't like going to church. Like I would say, younger people is in eighteen to maybe my age twenty five. Right, they're scared to go to church because they feel like they're hypocritical and judgmental. But the yeah. problem I have with that is that it's not that they're being hypocritical or judgmental. It's more so that they're trying to show you. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard, right. God's standard. And if that means that you have to turn away from things like gluttony uh, or adultery or any of these kind of different vices that grab people in life, it's okay to show that standard, especially in a place like a church environment. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like you're almost setting yourself up for a disaster in life if you're not prepared for some adversity or things that you don't want to hear. Yeah, And, and it- churches need to do more of that. Yeah, I mean, people in churches, you know, that's a typical excuse. And I look at that as a cop-out. Not that, not that you take anything um, away from what you said, because I believe there's some, there is things, hypocrisy and all this other things, pointing fingers again. They're made up of people. Um, that's the number one. That's a flaw. And and, and so it's going to be yeah, there. Yeah, like it's, it's everywhere you go. There's yeah. typical judgmental people. But the people from 18 to 25, the problem of it is, again, it's society. You know, we've looked at, let me, let me backtrack a little bit more. You know, maybe, you know, say 50 years ago, 100 years ago. And I was talking to a coworker about this today, matter of fact. You know, people that were transgender, people that were gay, people that, you know, whatever. You know, 50, 60 years ago, 70 years, they didn't kill themselves. Not, I mean, I'm not saying they didn't, but like like they are today. And so, so what's changed? Is it because there's more? Because this is such a, a, a controversial topic. One, I think people do this for attention, number one. I hate to say this, but people kill themselves for attention. That's number one. Number two, our generation, that's why I'm going with it, 18 to 25, has been what, unfortunately, here I go again, kind of talking, I guess being hypocritical or something, but I don't know another way to put this. Men and women today have been pussified. That's the only way, that's the only terminology yeah. I know a way to say it. They've, Snowflakes. I, you know, yeah, but I, I'm trying to make it relevant to where everybody understands exactly what I'm saying. Um, and so it's been watered down so much. And so because they're weak-minded, they're, well, you know, I'm getting picked on, I'm going to kill myself, you know I'm sorry, you know, I didn't go killing people when I was in school or, or obviously myself, duh, I'm still here. But, you know, like if I had a problem with it, you know, I'd, you know I, yeah, I got in some fights, you know, I didn't kill nobody, but, you know, I handled business a different way whenever, if I, when I got picked on, not, oh, pity poor me, somebody didn't like me on Facebook that I've never met in my life, so I'm going to kill myself. And I know that's just one example, but, man, that stuff happens every day. And so the 18 to 25 is not dealing with 18 and 25-year-olds like I was you know, it's, it's so different. They're so delicate. They're like a little piece of freaking glass that you look at the wrong way. It gets a little hot, a little too cold, too quick. It shatters. It's, it, it's a mess with, with the way that these kids are these days. Well, and a lot of it just comes down to being amped up. You know, there's always some type of racist material mm-hmm. or misogynistic or corporate takeover, whatever, yeah. always going on that, you know, kids just don't know really how to react. Everything's a crisis all the time. Because they play these cards out of context. I mean, you come to a town where you live as predominantly white people. They're not racist. You walk into the church, you're going to have 100 kids in there, give or take, whatever. And there's, you know, two black kids. Well, I don't know, it's predominantly white kids. Because you live in a predominantly white community. 
Yeah. You know, it's not because we're racist. It's not because of any of that stuff. And I get so sick of people saying that. And and churches should too. But it's the flip side. If I was to go, you know, on, on another another part of, you know, Oklahoma or, you know, for that matter, you can go across the other side of town. It's predominantly, you know, a black neighborhood. And if I went into church there, I'd be out of place. Nothing wrong with it. Now, here's the problem with that. Why I bring it up. Is there a problem with that? It can be because whenever that one or two black people walk in there and they look like they're out of, not so much they look like they're out of place, but people treat them like they're out of place, that's when it's a problem. Yeah, well, and that, it should never happen. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, I can attest to this, and I think anybody that really has gone to church for a long time can say there's always those older people in the church who just, they have a vendetta against individuals or they sure. just think they're powerful or they, you know, should be involved in the decision-making process, and it hurts the congregation rather than helping it. Yeah. I mean, you have leaders in the churches for reasons, you know, and, and there's decisions that have to be made that you need to have some very wise individuals, good godly wisdom in there, men or women, depending on what it may be. Um, you need that good godly wisdom. Um, however, you know, um, as much as I would agree with some of the older generation, we're talking about problems in churches. You can't handle people, even people my age, like your great great granddad did. It just don't work like that anymore. No yeah. And you know, the thing of it is is people some of the older generation, you know, God bless them. I, mean, I love them to death, but they they don't understand they don't understand the Bible too and there's a lot of good meaning people that don't, you know, know and it's, it's always gets thrown in my face is you know, it talks about not wearing a hat in church. You know, I I know people that people that know me know I've <laughs> I've gone down this road before, but it talks about not wearing a hat in church. And so there's this precedence that you can't wear a hat in church, you know. And, and you have some of the older guys, well, you, get, you can take your hat off. Why? Why don't you tell your wife to shut up during church? And like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you would say that. Women, you can't talk in church. If you're going to hold that same stance, women cannot talk in church. Now, people need to listen to this in context because both of them, if you hold to that view, what I just said, that's taking the scripture out of context. The Bible does talk about a head covering. The Bible does talk about women being silent in church. It does. But both of those, for a guy to come in there and say, hey, you can't wear your hat in church, it's taking that scripture out of context. You don't know what you're talking about, buddy. So when I'm saying, women, be quiet in church, that's my rebuttal. If you're going to take stuff out of context, well, I can too. <laughs> so I'm not saying women can't talk in church. I'm not saying that, and I'm not applying that. I'm using that as saying, if you're going to throw con out of context, so will I. And to say that, they get it like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you would say that. Well, I can't believe that you're going to sit here and get bent out of shape because I'm wearing a hat in church. You should be grateful that people are at church. So, yeah, I'm kind of my tone, my rant there, but you see what I'm saying? There's the problems. Yeah. yeah well, I can't wear a hat to church. You're going to judge me on a hat. I, maybe that's one of the good things that churches have backslidden on is that I feel like a, a lot of times now, some of the newer churches and stuff like that, like non-denominational are just like cool with whatever. Yeah. And they, <laughs> uh, and they should be, you know, like I could understand if you were coming in there, you know, wearing something that's so provocative, you know, um, that's being a distraction. Cause I mean, Hey, bottom line, you can't have a freaking, you can't have a 16, 17, whatever year old girl wearing Daisy Dukes into a youth, a youth event, you know, where you've got right. 20 or 30, I mean, it's a distraction. It's nothing again. Hey, if that's what you wear again, we could go debates on that, but it's like your distraction to the other, you know, 15, 20 guys in here. It's the bottom line, you know? And so there, there's some lines you got to draw, but, and it's holding yourself to a higher standard, which to me, yeah, that's one of the problems I guess I have with, I feel like in today's world, you know, you're talking about taking things out of context and I feel like that's what they try to do is they always just try to point 
oh, well, God did this in the Old Testament, so anything that happened in the New Testament must not matter. Because if you're going to believe in the New Testament, then you have to also adhere to everything that was said in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's kind of a, a stupid argument just because just because it happened in the Old Testament doesn't negate everything that took place afterwards. And as Christians today, it's okay to grow over time. We're all going to make mistakes because we're mm -hmm. all humans. So rather than trying to poke holes in stupid little arguments like, can you wear a hat? You know, can women talk in church? Like, let's actually focus on what's going on today. Yes, women can vote now. Women have jobs now. So mm -hmm. let's not try it and basically play these stupid little games and create meaningless arguments mm -hmm. rather than getting the truth of the matter, which is, do you have faith? You know, can you get through the hardships that you're about to face, not only as a Christian, but just as a human being in general, as you get through life? Yeah, well, if you look at, you know, you look at the church and, and what it is, the Bible talks about this, you know, about different parts of the body. Um, stuff like that. Just for instance, you know, and I'm breaking this down little dummy style. You, you have two hands. God gave you two hands for a reason. Um, you cut one of them off. It's disabling. Um, same thing being with church members. You, you have people, they're part of the body, you know, eyes, the nose, the ears, you know, hands, feet, you know, whatever. Well, you cut your arm off. It's a disabled. It's recognized by the federal government. That's a disability. I poke one of your eyes out. It's a disability. You know, it's a, it is, um, but here's why I'm saying that. So we have these people in the church that different people make up the body. Why do you think it's any different whenever we cut one of those members off? We just cut off the arm. We just disabled our member. Yeah, part of our body. Yeah, yeah, we did. The body of the church, the body of Christ. And that's what the Bible, That's I, I think that that's a very good way to explain it. Um, it's what the Bible's talking about. And so we say that as like, and I'm bringing that up because the churches, the problem is kicking these people out. You don't know what God's purpose is for that person. Now, for the people that ain't interested in church and people that don't care about this, this, this is not the podcast for them. You know, they may not believe anything. Maybe, you know, whatever, whatever floats their boat. And I'm not knocking for that. I'm, we're, we're specifically talking, what's the problem with the churches? And this is a collaborative to not just specific domination, to nomination, but overall. So you cut off one of your members. What do you expect? So here's the problem I have with that. I feel like anymore what happens, and this is not anymore. It's been happening forever. It's always the good men that get cut out first. It's the ones that should be leading the church or should be taking them in a better or newer direction mm -hmm. that are pushed out of the congregation. And I feel like that's how, over time, people have developed this very negative perception of what church is, you know, being kind of a political thing uh, because of scandals and cover-ups. You know, there's so many, unfortunately, sick people out there that are in positions of power yeah. in churches. And it doesn't matter what denomination it is, it happens everywhere. And it sounds crazy to even yeah. say that, but the reality of it is, is like, as a Christian, you know, that's a, a hard one or someone that's thinking about, uh, becoming a Christian because you're, you have all these conflicting thoughts of like, oh, what makes them any different from just a, another ruler or person that's mm -hmm. trying to tell me how to live my life? Well, the, the, the problem that it is, and it's easy for people to say these things, you know, because there is a bunch of, a bunch, there's sexual allegations and churches, youth pastors taking advantage of kids, children's pastors taking advantage of kids sexually. I mean, it's there. It's not, you know. And so there's a sect of people, there's a group of people, I don't go to church because you just can't trust them. They're all predators. They're sexual. Okay. Yeah. That's that's your stance. That's your prerogative. Let me ask you this. How many doctors are accused of the same thing? You still go to a freaking doctor, don't you? Right. Yeah. But this stuff happens. This yeah. is not just a church thing. Yep. This happens at doctors. This happens at 
you know, whether it even be, it be a daycare, um, numerous, numerous yeah. things, it'd be a, a dentist, a regular doctor, to, you know, whatever. They take a approach on this, um, like the church did this. Now, I, again, I get it. I understand your concern, but you know what happens when a, if a doctor did that? You found out, oh, my doctor did that. I'm not, I'm not saying he did that to you, but you knew, maybe you found out about it. Hmm. You would find a doctor. You would find somewhere else to go. You wouldn't just quit going to a doctor. So the, the church, all churches are not bad. All the youth pastors aren't bad. They're publicized because they're positioned, just like a doctor. This stuff happens. You know, and here, let me give you an answer to what I said 20 minutes ago. You know why it happens? Because they're human. Human, if you believe what the Bible says, and people, if you believe what I'm saying, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's not what, is that what the Bible says. No, it we is. We all have sinned. So, yes, that's maybe more heinous of a sin the way you look at it, but the bottom line is people, we've all sinned. It's the worst. They need to understand that, not so, use it as a crutch for not going to church. And I would say to that, they can be forgiven behind a jail cell. Well, I mean, let's That's the real. thing, you know. Like, yeah, you got to get these guys out of there. Um, yeah, they don't need but, to be there. I, would, I, I do, would agree. I, I really like what you said, though, because to me that is the best response out there is that, you know, at the end of the day, it does happen everywhere. And I would take it a step further and say if more people joined churches, you have more eyes on the inside that can see what's going on yeah. to be able to catch the stuff that goes unnoticed. And to me, that's just as valuable as anything else. Like if you're that worried about something like that happening, then why don't you get involved and see what's going on yourself? So that way, if something's going on, you're there to yeah, don't get me wrong. I think that. there's there's things that, again— and, <laughs> you know, kind of veering off a little bit, but there's things the church does to mitigate those things. So when you're talking to people, you're counseling the people, the only time that youth pastor, that Sunday school teacher should ever be in a position to be alone with another, an opposite sex is when they're at home, when they're married. And right. it never happens at church. If they want to talk to a kid, they're counseling a kid. You always have another person there. If that can't be accepted and, the, and that kid or that parent doesn't agree with it, you don't do it. Because that's to protect you. Yeah, it's not about them. It's to protect you. Yeah, um, keep yourself above reproach. So if churches implement these things and say, "Hey, you have to have X, Y, Z in place protocol," these things will get limited. Besides being limited, it prote- it, it and the churches should do this because it protects yeah. their staff. It yeah. protects the church from a lawsuit. Um, next to that, if there's bad blood in there. You'll weed them out. They ain't going to be part of that. They don't want to be part of it because yeah. they're like, well, I'm getting scrutinized. They're, yeah. they're going to catch it. So exactly, there's ways to prevent some of that stuff, and churches should do that. So if people out there that's listening as part of churches, um, maybe you're a deacon, you're an elder, you're a pastor, whatever, you know, think about those things because you do need to protect yourself and you need to protect your your church. Um, so you know, you talk about that in the Bible. It talks about you know, you without the, you know sin, cast the first stone. There we are, people. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where it is. If people, everybody's easy to cast judgment and blame. Um, but you know, we're all, we've all got our differences. You know, they may not be as heinous as what one would say, but Hey, bottom line of it is still sin. You're not perfect. So don't be sitting here trying to, you know, run the show like you're, cause you're not perfect either. Well, I guess ultimately for me, the, the thing that's hardest, especially for a younger person like me is that the world is filled with instant gratification and, you know, like I need this right now today. And the problem with that is that there's no faith in the future really you know and i feel like we've kind of just lost our way as a younger generation as far as giving up hope whenever we all understand that as you grow you're going to make mistakes mm-hmm. you're going to be filled with hardships whether you have a million dollars or no dollars you know a, a nice job or a crappy job you're going to face 
obstacles in life that you need faith for. And I'm not just saying faith in God, but just faith in yourself, faith in your ability to keep putting one foot in front of the right. other. And if you aren't even trying to think about something other than yourself, you're going to fail a lot more and probably die from more of something like a death of despair rather than a life of fulfillment. Well, and I think, you know, again, I'd sit here, this is more of a podcast, more of a preaching session. Anything is that's where I think the Bible comes into play. You know, you talk about the faith, you talk about those things. Yeah, because whenever you have this faith, you know, you know, because I'm talking to a Christian community here. Let's face it, there's probably people that's not. But, you know, there's probably people that's not in a Christian community like, yeah, that dude's exactly right. That's why I don't go because of this, this, and this. Man, you know? Almost and, everyone's been to church. You know, so... Um, you know, I guess I'm speaking to them too, but you know, there's a level of that faith. You're right. That's going to carry you through. And I think that it's a faith in Christ, the faith in Jesus, that's going to get you through those hard times because you can have faith in yourself. Faith in yourself is only going to take you so far. You know, um, it's just my opinion. And I think that's a biblical one too. Um, but you know, whenever it's just like, what do you have faith in yourself? Okay. That, well, I have faith in myself to some level too, but yeah. it didn't go very far because, I also I also recognize at my age too with my wisdom they're very short temper so I don't really have much faith in my self control does that well, make sense and, and ultimately your body can fail you yeah and I think that there's there's several instances in my life that you know I could I could sit here and explain people could test well it wasn't that it was just chances whatever but I can't explain some of these things other than by God's intervention and so for people to sit here and say well is this is that I, I challenge anybody. You know, and I can tell you these stories verbatim, how they played out, and I would like somebody to give me a better explanation because I'm all ears, but I can't see any other explanation than God alone. Um, doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. Am I a Christian? Yes, I'll say, I'll say it publicly. I don't care. You know, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Yes, I do. Um, but the, the problem of it is there's a lot of people that say that. That's actually what I was just thinking of literally is the fact that I feel like Western societies as a whole have pushed this narrative of using Christianity uh, and religion as a political tool <laughs> to get yeah. votes uh, as like yeah. kind of a marketing program. And to me, the worst examples of it was Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, because yeah. he had two complete opposite people, both trying to appeal to that crowd. And then the saddest part about all that kind of behavior is that we didn't have strong church leaders to step up and say, you're lying. You know, yeah. you're not who you say you are. Well, here's the problem, because I'm going to tell you the answer to that. Here's society's answer to that. Well, Bible says you can't judge. You're not supposed to judge. And I'm going to tell you that you're, you, you think that because you don't understand Scripture in context. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says you'll know that by their fruits. That's yeah. not what the Bible says. That's what God says, what Jesus says. So maybe you should start testing your politicians, not by whether they say they're a Christian, because that's not what the Bible says to do. The Bible doesn't say to test your faith, to test to see if you are a Christian or not, if you've been actually saved, truly converted to Jesus Christ, to, that you take somebody's word for it. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you look at their actions. You'll know them by their fruits. If you don't know what those are, I'm not going to get into some big, long debate, but the Bible says what these things, some of these yeah. things are, these things to look for. Um, so people don't do that. And if you look at the presidents you just mentioned, you'll find that those, that's, that uh, tree is not doesn't have much fruit there. Or good for it's all spoiled. You know, again, at the end of the day, what the Bible talks about judgment, and so I'll give a correct, real quick Bible lesson on this. The Bible doesn't talk about judge. We should judge. We should have God. We we should have wisdom. We should make choices for ourselves. Um, in in those things, we should be able to judge situations. We do have to judge. Unfortunately, we do have to judge. Um, should we judge as one person's salvation? Hey, yeah, you're going to go to hell. You're going to go to heaven. No, 
that's in God's hands and God's influence. See, that's the problem. That's what the Bible is usually talking about when it talks about that judgment. It's talking about one's eternity. I'm not talking about your eternity. I'm talking about the here and now. And the bottom line, whenever you make, when you say a cuss word, that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. No. And I can't say but that. But now whenever yeah. your, your speech is every other word, well, maybe. But now that it's every other word for it's been the last 10 years, and then you start adding um, pornography on top of it, you start adding, you know, whether it be lust on top of it, you start, see, the fruit's not there. Yeah. See, that's a problem. And exactly. I'm just naming a few of bigger ones. See, people don't look at that. They just want to so quick, LBGTQ community, same thing. You challenge them, and that's what they're going to come at you with. They're going to come at you with, well, you're Christians. That's why I don't want to be a Christian. I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you come to church. Come. I, I welcome anybody to church. I don't care what you do on your spare time. I want you to come to church. But what they're scared of, they want to leave these scriptures out of the Bible. But then it doesn't make them a better or worse person than me. I'm just as bad as person as they are. It's just a different sin. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. I, I guess for me, ultimately, it's it's kind of sad because I, I do feel like sometimes you run into situations where you have people that take advantage of that trying not to sin side of it, where basically they try to make themselves into this character. Look at me. I'm a great guy. I'm doing the right thing. Uh, follow me. But then behind closed doors, you know, just I, I don't know. My best my favorite example really is Jerry Falwell Jr., because he was a cuckold to a pool boy for his wife, getting drunk and going to work at a Christian university, mm-hmm. and then endorsing Donald Trump. You know, it, to me, it was the epitome of like heresy and just someone who does not belong in any church environment in a leadership position, because those are the ones who are making churches do worse and closing the doors and not bringing mm-hmm. people in to see what it's actually about. Well, you look at the church leaders, because we, we talked about that a little bit ago, and then we talked about it, you know, obviously just now. You look at the church, the health, wealth, prosperity gospel, people say Same what thing. it is. I'm going to say what it is. I don't agree with it. I don't believe that that's a scriptural thing. Now, here's the problem with that. So for the church people out there, that you know, is, I'm not saying that all those people are wrong. And uh, you know what I mean by wrong? Let me clarify. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell, and because you know what? That's not a defining thing. But here's the problem with it. Here's the thing with the health, wealth, prosperity, and I'm going to approach this a little bit different than most. One, the Bible doesn't sit there and specifically say, because I know what their scriptures are. I've, I've studied it. I know what they're talking about. Is they're saying, well, you know, let's name it, claim it. I mean, yeah. I prayed for a million dollars. Well, I'm going to get a million dollars. The Bible doesn't say that. You know, I know what it says. It says, ask and you shall receive. I know what they're trying to. That's a man. That's a stretch. Yeah, that's a here's big one. The, here's the problem. Here's how I'm going to go debunk the health, wealth, prosperity, gospel, and I'm going to do it faster than most pastors can. Whenever you're like, God, I, man, I need a million dollars. You know, I, I just want to be, part, I just want to live a good life. I just want to do this, this, help my kids out. You know, God, I just need a million dollars. The health, wealth, prosperity gospel says, hey, you pray it, you'll get it. But what about the rest of the Bible that says greed? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't align. Are you praying sure. out of selfish desires? Does the Bible? Did you forget that scripture in the Bible? And I'm not saying it to you, but did you forget that scripture where it talks about the babbling and the selfish desires we're praying for? And you wonder why they're not answered because you're praying for greed. God, man, if I could just have a million dollars, no, you wouldn't. Because if you had a million dollars, you need a million more. You know why? Because you get a million dollars, you're going to buy five, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollar house. I would. And then guess what? Your property tax is going to go up. Car insurance is going to go up. House insurance. Then you got to have another million dollars. You got to have all this money. To pay for the money that you just got, and that's a proven thing. There was, there was a show um, that the validate what I'm saying is a 
Dream Home Make Stream Home Makeover. Mm-hmm. That's not, yeah. So these people were coming in, these piss poor people that were piss poor broke, say piss poor people, good people, I'm sure <laughs> that came out wrong. That's not Whoops. what I meant. You know, they're they're they have this money, and that's fine. You know, some of them disabled, some I mean legitimate. And so they come in, they build them like this half a million dollar, a million dollar house. Oh yeah. Well, they can't afford the taxes on it. You look at it, research, you can you can see this. They had to sell it. It got foreclosed on it because they couldn't pay the taxes on it. They were broke going into it. You give somebody a million-dollar house now. Okay, but now, now you're broke here. Here's some more debt. Pay more taxes on it. You can't do it. That's insane. You people think about this. Well, it's the same thing. It's greed. It's lust. You know, you're lusting after it, you know, because most people, when you say lust, are thinking lusting after a guy, lusting after a woman. No, no, that's not necessarily always what it means, you know, and so – you know, no, the, the health, wealth, prosperity, you know, I just debunked some of that stuff. Now explain to me this too. You know, I got pastors, you know, I, yeah, you picked it. You picked a good topic this week because you ain't going to get talking about to be me. <laughs> but, you know, wh- tell me why a pastor needs a two or three million dollar jet. They don't. You, you know, so. Or and, brand new clothes and for they every. Say, you know, well, yeah, I yeah, mean, you've got Sunday. all these things. And, and so people can say, well, they got to they share God's word. Well, and I'm not disputing that. Take American Airlines. Yeah. You don't need a personal jet. So health, wealth, prosperity. How are you being a good steward of God's money? Not yours, God's money. Whenever you're burning it up so you can go fly to a golf tournament, you can go whatever. Hey, let's face it. That personal jet ain't you ain't. How many times? Let's think about this. Let me ask you this question. How many times people listen? Won't you listen to this? How many times do you ever hear pastors on TV that's got these three, four, five million dollar jets and all this? How many times do you ever hear them loading up 15, 20 people and flying them to Africa to do a mission trip, flying a, a group of church people to Mexico, Nicaragua, wherever to do a mission trip? Well, they uh-uh. got the other planes for that. You don't hear that. You don't hear that because they don't use that for God's work. Well, and that's the other half to it is that in today's world, it's easy to take advantage of people. You know, we've not just church organizations, but other organizations like Black Lives Matter, you know, abusing all the funds that they got and buying up real estate that had nothing to do with bettering black lives. And it's the same thing in church, you know, mm-hmm. people that give their hard earned money uh, or overextend to try and further a cause. And because a, a bad shepherd doesn't use that money appropriately, mm-hmm. it's all for naught. Well, that's the thing. That's sad. The pastors, too, not all of them, you know, she fits where, but yeah, the pastors are in some of them for the wrong reason. They're picking these careers for money. Uh, That's not what that career, you know, I say career, that calling is what it is. It's not a career. It's not a job. It's a calling of God. But people is doing this for for money. They're doing a political gain. They're doing, you know, for whatever. Um, And that's another reason. So, yes, obviously, why are churches failing is because you do have a a lot of pastors that are in this because they're not called to God to do it. You look at the Bible from the old Testament to the new Testament, especially the new, these men were called to God to do, to preach, share the word, to die, be martyred, um, for, for Jesus Christ. And so you look at these pastors today, you know, you're not being called by God. It's just, it is what it is. It's a job to you. It's a, it's a career. It's a, it's a money. Um, it's a tax break. Um, so, you know, yeah, tax break. Yeah, I said it. They get a tax break. Um, they don't. Have, yeah, don't, don't go there. Go there in a minute. So, obviously, they're going to fail because how can you expect God to? God's not in that. So, you know, will God work through those things? Yeah, certainly He will. Um, and that's why a lot of them move on. And yeah, I know one more thing <laughs> on that. So, moving on, that's it's a problem too, and I can prove that if you look around. You know, the area a lot of these pastors they they resign and, and God calls them to another church. 
Um, you look at the biblical, you know, God calls these men thousands, hundreds, thousands of miles away. Not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds of thousands of miles away. Um, they're traveling and preaching all the time. But, you know, around here, every time a pastor gets called away, he just goes a mile down the road to another church. Now, nah. why is it? Then I'm not saying that God can't do that, but why is it predominantly out of, let's say, 30 churches that how come 25 of them, God always calls them just to the road, the church down the road? Because God's not in it. Yeah. I, I don't believe that for one second. Usually not. Um, and, you know, honestly, to kind of take that a step further, you know, about God not being involved in some of this, I kind of feel like that's what a lot of mission trips outside of the U.S. turn into. Uh, you know, everyone's always fired up to go to Africa and build a well or Mexico or, you mm-hmm. know, all these places around the world. Right. The reality of it is, especially when you're bringing youth and young people onto this, it's a kind of a vacation. And I feel like with the position America's in today, churches need to stop sending people overseas and actually focus on what's going right here in our own country. Yeah. And the same way we get upset with Ukraine and us sending billions of dollars over there in aid and not doing anything back home, churches should be taking that own stance for themselves uh, and saying, like, hey, we have a lot of hurt people out here that need us just as much as the hungry kids in Africa or, you know, the homes that need to be built in Mexico or whatever else is going on. Yeah, I agree. You know, to some level, I understand with mission trips and stuff like that, it's a fine line. It's a hard, you know, because I've dealt with kids before, youth, you know, as well. And it's hard because, you know, man, kids can go and they can get a different perspective on life that they wouldn't see. And they really do sometimes come back change. I mean, I get that. And it's that's kind of the the one argument. And I've seen it happen um, for a little bit. Um, And I say a little bit. I'm I'm not joking. They come back, man. They are on fire for Jesus. And they're ready to do this. They're ready to move, you know, hell and high water, essentially, until they get back in the real world. My issue with it, man, is, is I understand, man, you never know what God's going to do in somebody's life. So it's kind of like, let them go. Um, but on the other hand, you know, man, I look at things differently because, you know, I've been a part of, you know, another mission trip that, man, they screened you hard. They wanted the best of the best. And it wasn't like, can you, can you share the gospel, the greatest, all this other stuff. It's like they wanted to make sure that people were going, were walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And there's a pretty, pretty lengthy screening process, you know, of a bunch of avenues, not just by them, but other people, you know. And so, yeah, I've had, a, I've had issues with that over the years, too, you know, in, in several places that, I, that I've been at. Um, yeah, you'd have kids that, man, ain't ever broke a Bible open in school. You know, I'm not saying they're bad kids. I'm not saying they cussed or, you know, or you know, do anything bad. But like, man, you ain't, you ain't showing Jesus at school, but now you're going to go overseas and you can go tell everybody. Yeah, for a week, you, you know? know. And they and also so, like the other girl that's going or, exactly. you know, that's what such I'm saying. You know, I'm not saying yeah. God don't work through that and, and he uses that to his glory. I'm not saying that doesn't happen because it does. But my problem of it is, is, again, church people, great commission. It doesn't say go all over the world and then come back. And I'm breaking down that that scripture very plainly for people. (laughs) You need to be witnessing here. Take care of your inside circle first and then go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And And so every community needs it. Yeah, I mean, they've got that backwards. And so people need to focus on, like you were saying, locally um, first. Um. There's many ways we can do that, you know, and I'm not sitting here trying to give you ways and do it, but uh, the, what you were saying is I'm summarized too. Again, in other ways, there are people being hypocrites. Um, and, you know, to kind of take it a step further, I feel like if Christians were actually to really start get back on track and stop bending the knee to, you know, woke ideology or the social norms of today's world, 
uh, I think pretty quickly they would have to figure out another way of doing business per se, because I, I feel like we're moving more and more towards a cashless society. And I think whether you're a church or an individual and you speak out and say things that is counterproductive to what the government or what the social norms are, mm -hmm. I think they're going to start taking your 501c3 tax break, <laughs> uh, well, you yeah. know, taxing you more or uh, closing your doors down, you know, whatever. Like, I think they're going to really crack down. And so as Christians, you kind of need to be ready for this pivot because if it really starts to take off and Christians stop uh, just bowing down to everything that's going on and they actually stand up for themselves, you will face a lot of backlash and people will not like you anymore. Well, they, and that's the point. Well, that's the thing. The government has control over churches. People don't realize this. And, you know, the average, I say the average church person is a church is it's, it's, you know, they have, they don't have to pay taxes on anything, really. I guess how I look so at it. So the government has control because if a pastor doesn't adhere to certain things, they can threaten, I'm going to take your non-exempt status and all this other stuff. And a lot of them are scared of that. Yep. So they can't speak to political issues. They got to be careful of that. See, that's the problem. What the church, just pay your stupid taxes and then you're not governed by them anymore. See, they don't do that. I don't know. I just kind of, I guess I look at it like this, you know, it's, it's almost like, the kid in the classroom who's trying to cheat off you for the exam and then mm -hmm. you, you know, cover your arm or whatever so he can't cheat off you anymore. He's going to be upset and mad with you because you're no longer playing his game. And I feel like it's just the same way in society. Mm -hmm. The moment you quit, you know, basically trying to be what they want you to be and you actually say, no, this is what's right. Here's what's wrong. Yeah. It's going to, everything's going to flip. And so I, I just, in a world where people aren't ready for anything and they're always soft uh, about issues and topics and they're scared to take well, a stand for themselves. That's why homosexuality is where it's at today. And the bottom line of it is, I know people's going to get mad about me saying that and I'm going to say this one too. And I'll give you a podcast on either one of them. Next one's abortion. Cause you, and, and again, I'm not going to sit here debate right, wrong, indifferent. That's not my purpose here. What I'm, my purpose is this is if all the people that says they're Christians voted, abortion wouldn't exist. If they stood for a Christian, what the Bible says, the people that says, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, abortion wouldn't be a thing. And neither would homosexuality because it's overwhelming amount of people that claim to be Christians. And I said, and I'm referencing back right. now, 15, 20 minutes ago, of people saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Well, you sure don't live like it. And you, you don't, don't vote like it either. No, I mean, you don't. <laughs> but you, Well, you look at the people that, you know, We'll say, because we'll look at the, well, I, I'm not going to sing a lot of single presidency, but you look at how people get voted in office. I mean, come on, like, there's no Christian standards. No, not there's at all. Not. For the last 20 years, there hasn't been you know, a standard. And so, you know, you can't use that anymore. It, what it is in voting now, it's a, it's a less of two evils, you know, like. Uh, yeah, for a while. And so it is what it is, you know, whatever. But, you know, the, you know, guy comes in with good Christian ethics, you know, good Christian ethics and stuff like that. You're almost like shunned. You know, and and really, realistically, yeah. that's what the Bible says should happen. The Bible says, if you're living for me, you're going to be an outcast to the bunch. You're going to be ridiculed, picked, you know, all this stuff. And so, yeah, no wonder. So, yeah, there, there's several flaws in the churches. They're they're made up by people. There's going to be complete flaws. And if this is something that go on and on and on from pastors, you know, bottom line of it is they're weak-minded. A lot of them, not all of them, not everybody's like that, but the majority, 
weak-minded. They won't preach the whole counsel of God. They won't preach sin. All they'll preach is the stuff that makes you feel good every Sunday morning. And when it comes down to preaching, hey, this is wrong, whether it be homosexuality. I'm sorry. Again, I don't care what you do on your spare time. I don't care. But for a pastor to come back across and say that homosexuality is okay and it's accepted because God changed all of a sudden. No, God has changed saying yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Very clear in the Bible. But yeah, now to come back and say that, no, it's a sin. But just so as if people say, well, you're bashing the homosexuals. No, I'm not. I'm using it as a platform. To say, I cuss. I've said things too. I've you know done bad things. I'm not perfect. I sin too, just like you. It's just a different thing. Yeah, you but know? it doesn't make what they're doing right. Yeah, and, and so the pastors, they won't preach the whole counsel of God, the whole counsel for, to dumbify that, to break it down where people can say, you can't pick and choose. If you're called to God to be a pastor, you need to preach everything, whether it be sin, you know, heaven, hell, Jesus, all of it. You've got to preach it all. People have to have and understand, not just a real good fuzzy feeling because you walked into church on Sunday morning and you've got chills and a tickle down your back that you think you're saved. No, that's not how it works. And, and I, I know from personal experience, I feel like with the way things are going, we're not going to have these experiences anymore. I think we're, as a country and as a, a world, we're stepping away from religion and we're turning it to technology. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sad because in an instant, we could have a meteor hit Earth and everything technology-wise is done for. God wouldn't be. And so that's one of the scariest aspects, especially when you talk about from a faith standpoint of how does the human race continue, especially if we face those kind of adverse conditions mm-hmm. when what we've done is bank on worldly conditions uh, or people, false prophets, basically for practical purposes, people that say, trust me, I got this, I know what's going to happen, all that, and they end up being frauds right. versus a book that's been around forever and just so happens to contain wisdom and knowledge that if you live your life this way, you will have success. You will be persecuted too, but you will have success and the promised land is worth it. Like what you're going to achieve with your life is better than anything you could have done without it. Mm-hmm. And especially if you don't have anything at all that you're living by. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there's, there's truth there. I mean, you know, obviously there's, there's saving faith, you know, that, you know, I feel like that you're missing there, but I do understand what you're saying in context, you know, about a, basically a guide. Um, but, you know, we could go on about this, you know, I think we need to kind of wrap it up. I'm sure our viewers or listeners have had enough of me today. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I do think there's a level of, to summarize, you know, in closing, I think that, yeah, pastors need to do their due diligence to preach everything, not just little feel, feel good, uh, make you feel good on Sunday morning messages. You need to be feeling comfortable every once in a while, teach, teach counsel, um, give your congregation, your people, good wisdom. We need to be more accepting, um, to people of any race, any sexual orientation, whatever. That's not my decision. That's between them and God. Um, salvation between them and God, not me. My, my, um, advice, not my advice, my, preaching moment would be this. We're supposed to just share Jesus. We're not supposed to, you know, none of that stuff. That's between them and God. If they're saved, that's not our concern. We're supposed to just tell them, love them, care for them. Um, and that's with all people. Now, obviously, specifically, you know, kind of isolate a few women, men, little kids, teens, all of them. We need to be there, um, show them we love them, care for them, not be judgmental by the way they dress, the way they act, you know, none of that stuff, you know. Uh, and I think if we did those things and we're opening our eyes up to and quit compromising in the society we live in, things are going to change. 
And for the better. Yep. You know, the the thing that nobody wants to admit, I guess the quiet part out loud, is when a society has high standards for itself, it does better. You know, when you don't have morals or some type of guiding compass that's positive, you see what you see today. You know, mass rampantness and homelessness, uh, you know, people having sex at younger and younger ages, dying from opioid overdoses, all these things are going on. And it's because we just don't have values anymore. We don't raise the kids like we should. We don't take care of our spouses or each other like we should. It's all about you. And how can I kill myself quicker? Right. Looking for for gratification in the wrong places for sure. Uh, But either way, thank you guys so much for listening uh, or watching. You know, I appreciate you guys so much. And if you do have any comments that you want to drop, I'm sure there's something you have to say whenever we're talking about religion. Uh, or if you have any ideas for the to- uh, topics for the next week's show, let me know. Just shoot me a DM, whatever. But either way, hope you have a great night.